on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Dave and Johnny. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the fact that golf is back. Well, kind of. Kind of. There, we're nearly there. We're on Sunday, uh, Sunday the tenth. We're another um, eight days to go, Johnny, and then we're we're back in some capacity onto the golf course again after what seems like an eternity. I think it's probably at this stage is it two months now yeah, since anyone has set foot in the golf course. Yeah, I think it's it's nine weeks. I think people people have been setting foot on golf courses, kind of without people knowing or them being allowed. But it's been um, nine weeks officially, I think, since since golf has been out of our lives. Um, yeah, strange that we haven't had as uh, had a, had an outlet. I think now that it's now that it's coming back, I think there's probably an appeal from everybody to just stay within the rules as much as we possibly can because we're lucky and that we're in effectively phase one of the 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 change from the lockdown to slightly opening up so yeah we're lucky that, that our sport is like the first back like I, I wouldn't like to be a club rugby player right now or like you know even hockey i know hockey's like way back like we just got an email today being like our season for this year is just done this is where you came so you're like the position in your league is the position in your league and that's it like when yeah when back and i'm yeah. lucky that We'll be the first back. <laughs> yeah, I have two brothers who play intercounty and club football, GAA, yeah. and they're like. I suppose I really do feel for them. Whatever about the rugby guys, and to let to an extent maybe hockey as well. In terms of they've had some part of a season, yeah, that has run. We're a winter sports, so you kind of yeah, winter sports. But now think of the summer sports where the guys are meant are looking out really good pitches and they're. Um, all they're doing is kind of relay runs for charity. Really, at this stage, that's that's yeah. what that's what Inter County GA has turned into. Now, on the flip side, you're looking around at how much has been raised and the good stuff they've done. Um, so that's a plus. That's a massive plus from a society perspective. They gave a lot back, but those guys have really nothing to look forward to and have no clarity on whether um, club football will come back or inter county football will come back. So I, I do feel for those guys. So I think, sure. it's, I think it's incumbent on us to be responsible in what we do. Yeah, even with that, like, yeah, even with that, I know that now. Now everyone kind of knows other sports are a while away. I've had mates of mine who've never played golf before get onto me and like, do you want to go? So we've a, we have a golf course across the road from my house, and a mate of mine six doors up was like, do you want to? We do want to run out to the golf course there. It's a public golf course. Do you want to hit a few balls? And I was like, you've never, I've never played golf before. Never spoke with you about golf. So I was like, this is interesting now that everyone's coming out of the woodwork being like. I'm not big off. This is this is my new thing. And yeah, yeah. And as we're probably just going to go through now, it's not quite that simple anymore. It's not just a case of grabbing a friend and getting a couple of clubs and a few balls and 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 going out and jumping onto a golf course anywhere because that simply is not how this works at the moment. And realistically, as we were chatting off air before this, realistically it's the twenty ninth of June where it becomes 
to a more or less uh, more or less extent normal. Um, yeah. Last phase is tenth of August, but I think to put out there, and we'll, we'll get this obviously out to people probably on the eleventh on Monday the eleventh. Um, so you're probably listening to it then. So it's one week out. So I think it's probably good for us to go through for people what to expect yeah. um, when they get to the course and what the restrictions are. So um, to lead off, I think the basic. Uh, the basic criteria for being allowed to get onto a golf course now. So they will either be in individuals, one ball, or which is one ball, two ball, or three balls. One ball can go at 10 minute intervals, two balls at 12 minute intervals, and three balls at 14 minute intervals. And this can only be done if you book online in advance. There can be no roll up and rock up to, to a golf course mm. at any stage. The other thing that's interesting about this is that you are requested not to be on the golf course sooner than 20 minutes before your allotted time and not to be on the first tee box five minutes before your time and to ensure that there is no one on the course at, or on the, on the tee box when, when you do rock up. So within your three balls and your two balls. Interestingly, there's no data here around who to play with, etc. It seems that you can put your your name down on the line, and okay. So you and I, members of the same course, could play our course together, even though we don't live together. Exactly, it seems to be that way. Uh, there's nothing to say that we that we that we couldn't do that, so long as we're um, from a government perspective within five k. But this isn't listed in the document at all, yeah. the protocol document from the GUI. So that's important to know, and that I think that the the, the GUI have left this to government protocol to stipulate who can get access to the course and they're not going to deal with this at all in, in terms of it's not their responsibility. So regardless of whether you're within 5K of your club or not, they're not going to be checking that out, which is, which is an interesting one. Um, but then it's very hard to fact check because for me, I suppose I could be in Donegal where I would be spend a large portion of time and but my official address is actually in Dublin. So I don't have an official address in Donegal, so how do I, I suppose, justify my existence up here, or not existence, but, but address, <laughs> mm. justify my existence up here, all right, but not my address. So that's, that's interesting. I don't know how, um, I don't know how that's going to be maintained. I suppose it'll just be as for if people are at checkpoints and that are run by the guards and they'll get, they'll get picked up there. Yeah, if you can get to the golf course, then you're fair game. <laughs> you may not make yeah. it there in the first place. It's, yeah, interesting to, but, it's interesting to point out that um, the government, obviously, they announced those, those easing of restrictions for the 18th of May, but for, I guess, less, less well-versed golf fans or people that may not know, the GUI released then their recommendations off the back of that, which is a five-stage plan, which is where the, the 18th of May number date versus the 29th of June date comes into play. Yeah, and as well, I think it's important that it's not just everybody, not every member will get out on the course on the opening day or subsequent days. Uh, they're limited to 60 golfers occupying 18 holes at any one time. So if you think of some of the bigger clubs, that could be less than 10% of their total membership being able to play. So there's going to be a scramble for uh, for uh, for tee times very, very, very early when they open up their mm-hmm. when they open up their online booking. So you want early, early morning or really you want early morning to try and guarantee any time of... Uh uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm sure I'm sure their clubs when they send out their individual um, timelines to their members are going to have closing times. But mm-hmm. I, I I would think 
that clubs will do everything they can to, to keep the gate open for as long as they can during the day, right in, like we're, we're bright until nine o'clock at the moment. So yeah. I would have assumed that the last times will be out to seven, eight o'clock if people want to get out and play. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then like, does, it say, does the document say anything from GI about like, uh, any like the over 70s or anyone that was previously cocooning and is only now allowed to, you know, travel sparingly? I typed in, a, did a search on it for the number 70 and it appeared nowhere on the document either. Okay, so there's no no kind of guidance or stipulations. Would that, or no. does that say to you it's okay or would they rather not go near them? I think, I, I think it's similar to what, the five with the I suppose the lack of reference for the five kilometers as well. I think they're probably trusting. I don't think if you have a member who's 70 in the whole of their health and they arrive at the on the tee box. Now the flip side is if I was on put my name down on a line and I didn't know who I was going to play golf with mm-hmm. and the other person in that group was at that age, I'm not sure how comfortable I'd feel in terms of if I had any underlying or quiet symptoms that, um, that were, oh, sorry, if I had any symptoms that weren't showing effectively or, yeah. or, did, or felt fine but, but had, had this underlying, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel, despite the fact that social distancing has to be adhered to. It's, um, yeah, tricky, tricky. Yeah, for me, definitely, that's, my, my biggest fear is that I could be asymptomatic. And we, like, we, we've both fit into the bracket for of people that could very well be asymptomatic, like younger people, it affects yeah. them less. So yeah. if I was to go play play golf with a, an older member, that would definitely be something you'd have to think about before teeing off. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's um, a couple of the, there are a couple of the tricky pieces that clubs are going to have to navigate. I think it's fairly self-explanatory what's going to happen as well in terms of bars, restaurants are closed within clubs initially uh the pro shops will be open to take uh, and process the bookings only um and to let people off and make sure but pro shops are actually going to be open from phase two which is the 8th of june okay uh 8th of june closed club competitions will begin will that be handicap counting you think yeah they'll be handicap counting yeah so even did that then bring into question the score scoring of cards this is the other side that each club will probably have to stipulate how they want to record the scores um, and to whether they'll make them um, whether they'll make them counting or not. Uh, the the weird thing that you'll have is the situation around bunkers, etc. As to people obviously using preferred lies in bunkers. Mm. Um, the I, I think that's tricky because you get people unless there's an online option that the likes of BRS or Handicap Master or Master Scorecards are are using where people can go on the app and enter their phone, but you won't be allowed to hand over your card to somebody. Like social distancing has to be adhered to, so obviously you'll have to keep your own your own card, at which point you're responsible and you have to be as honest as you as you would normally, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there won't be the officialdom there. And I am assuming as well you'd be asked to verify your card if you're a winner, for example, or if you're being cut. I, I would imagine, or else everybody will be asked to text in or WhatsApp in a picture of their scorecard, which I had heard had happened previous to the um, previous to the lockdown with some clubs doing that and keeping competitions going. Okay. But 
that that's that's going to be interesting. And as that progresses, um, members and member guests and visitors will be allowed onto courses from the 29th of June. So that opens that up. At which point we'll get to a full opening, including like four balls actually on the 29th of June will be allowed. So by the time we get back to what would seem like relative normality, minus say the bar and restaurant facilities, it's probably the 29th of June. And then you're coming in under the uh, under the umbrella of how close you are to the golf course, at what point those distance restrictions are lifted. Yeah, that's interesting. And even for with, like, we'll get on to that with, with phase four, the travel restrictions that'll be lifted or not lifted by the government will really dictate a lot of phase three. Because like, if there are guys that are going to go on, on golf trips or, or even if you just live like 20 kilometers away from your, if I, so I live obviously in Dublin, I have a membership in Mount Juliet. If I want to get down there and put, I can only travel 50 kilometers, I can get like a quarter of the way to Mount Juliet. Which means that you would imagine there will be, and, and I heard a lot of people calling for this, calling for like reciprocal rights with clubs. Mm. And that's great in theory. But if you're only allowed for a period of time have 60 people on the course at any one time. Yeah. What was, I suppose, what would be the, the, the benefit for clubs to open up that? Because all they're going to do is piss off their existing membership because some people who may have just joined for the summer months or for because of their proximity to the course or if they've got reciprocal rights from other courses um, would be pretty annoyed that they can't get out for the game because the, the time sheet is full up from people who have who have come across from other courses. I think that would be a I do think that would be a massive issue. Like I'm a member in a club in Dublin in St Anne's, which has a big big membership in a big catchment area. Yeah. And if people say, for example, were were members of Portmarnock Links, but were closer to, um, but were closer to St Anne's and they couldn't get there because of the five kilometer rule, and they were getting onto the timesheet, that would. I don't think members would would appreciate that. I think members have been patient and have paid their dues and paid their subs and been looked after. So to to a greater or lesser extent, they feel like they should be looked after by their clubs. Maybe that's fair. Yeah, I can I can see both sides of it. I want to play my golf, yeah. especially in Dublin, and I'm actually looking at joining clubs in Dublin, around where I live now. Now I'm looking at joining clubs for the foreseeable future, not for June, yeah. July, August. So my situation is maybe a little different to that. But uh, yeah, I could definitely see how life lifelong members of certain golf clubs would be annoyed that people are yeah. washing. Yeah. And then obviously the the normal uh, the normal rules, there'll be no raking of bunkers, you won't be allowed to touch the flags, that will continue. There'll be no fountains or ball cleaners, water fountains or ball cleaners on the course. Um, and yeah, you'll you'll play the new style of golf, which is pin in. And, and move on pretty quickly so I think people for the first while it's casual golf anyway so it should be nice and quick onto the course uh, but yeah it's interesting Johnny to be honest it's going to be we're back but we're not really back yeah back but kind of oh, yeah what do you make of pin in golf anyway I like as an aside I, I hate couldn't, it I couldn't buy into it I hate it I, I grew up without it um, yeah. play on a links yeah play on a links course and it's always windy always always even the calm <laughs> days are windy and they have obviously the small flag at the bottom which they're for distance puts yeah you leave it in as well you would have previously you'd have someone tend the pit yeah that's mm-hmm. no problem but anything inside a 15 foot the small flag at the bottom really pisses me off because it rattles in the wind and it's just distraction sure. and also 
if you're trying to hit the hit a putt with any pace at all, we've actually got these fat flag sticks, and the ball can go anywhere. Like, yeah. So I'm not a pin in type of person anyway. No. But I oh. don't care for the for the basis of getting back on golf. I'll play the pin in upside down. I don't care what way it's in. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'll do what I have to 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 get my golf. In. Yeah. I just watch. Yeah. I just want a bit, a bit of golf now. But yeah, so that that's so for everyone out there, that's probably uh, in the space of a ten minute rundown, so you don't have to breeze through the document um, as to what you do. Call your golf club, be waiting for an email from your club in the coming days, um, where they'll probably set out how those protocols are going to be put in place, um, and obviously the finer points specifically relating to your club as well. And then August tenth yeah. is like the, the phase five. That's that's when we'll be playing golf in our no restrictions. I hopefully new normal world yeah that's when you can play golf you can arrive whenever you want uh four balls are back to 12 minutes apart uh competitions are on pro shops bars restaurants are all i suppose planned to be open yeah but obviously this, this completely depends on, on how probably how things happen in the wider environment rather than just in a golf course environment i think don't do anything stupid um don't hang around the um, the car park after the game get off the property as quick as you can um, don't arrive too early uh, don't be doing stupid things like drinking at the back of your car or anything in the clubhouse or outside the clubhouse in the car park because let's face it that's not going to work well for anybody bit of cop on I think Johnny really isn't it and things like so in the the rules of like no turning up 20 minutes early that means no pitching green putting green short game area avoiding all that like all that stuff's closed is it or what's the story there there's no stipulation on um, on practice grounds, etc. Um, the practice putting greens are open um, okay. in terms of what they what what they said should be, and the holes should be filled in or cover covered. Um, that's where they are open. So I think it's they're leaving it up to the uh, leaving it up to the to the clubs to do that. Um, the clubs are asked to ask or have been asked to assess how to facilitate practice areas. Um, so if such facilities, so if such practice facilities are open, players must warm up on their own, and there shouldn't be any holes on putting green. So you could probably throw it in a bottle or put to a ball on on the putting green. So probably a bit of a new normal on that. Uh, I haven't heard anything in relation to driving ranges, but as they don't fall under the GUI protocol, I am not sure what the situation is with, uh, with those. Have you? Did you see anything on those? I know Peter Laurie and in, in, um, Spawa Golf Academy, they're opening up. Um, I don't know anything in my local area. Um, again, I, I, so I live in Sebside, so thankfully there's plenty of golf around me. There's the driving range at the top of my estate. If that's open, that'll be nice. Um, yeah. But again, I think with that, it would just be a case of you're not handling tokens or the machine or anything like that. It's, it'd be pretty Yeah. It would be interesting for clubs who, say, have a dedicated grass practice facility uh, close to, say, um, the other club up here, Donegal, which is Merva, uh, Donegal Golf Club. They have a, a, a significant grass practice range to the side. Now, it'll be interesting to see for guys who go up there with, say, their own bag of balls and they hit a few balls out for an hour. Are they allowed to do that? Um, they'll obviously have the machine closed. Uh, etc but the, the ball machine but I, it'll be interesting to see what protocol comes out or what uh, what guidelines come out from the club around, around those practice areas because that'll probably be where someone might just want to go out and hit a few balls on the range Yeah, and will they be allowed to do that they, they could 
conceivably do that in complete isolation to anyone else and not pose any threat to themselves or anybody else. And if you go out and hit your own golf balls on your own golf course, will that be will that be an issue? Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully not. Hopefully the driving ranges will be back open and we can, even if it's like a one bay open and one bay closed kind of situation where the social distance or the distance between two players is a bit further than normal. But yep. all I know is that um, Peter Laurie and Spowell, they're opening up 18th May. That's good. Also, there's <clears throat> a couple of things on golf, on the actual game itself that that's... Um, that that's different. They were saying like stipulations around if your ball is lost or in a penalty area that you're not to go back um, to your position on the course. Uh, use an option that allows you to play from that position. So remember back to I think about eighteen months ago when the new rules for lost balls and out of bounds uh, balls for out of bounds. If you imagine there was a two a one shot. Normally, it's a one shot, one shot stroking distance penalty. So you replay your ball from where you hit it. Yeah. Uh, at the penalty of a shot. If you remember back um, before, I believe it was January of last year, that there was a rule that was brought in that has not been used by any club whereby you could take a just a two-stroke penalty and play the ball from where you agree uh, the ball across the hazard. So similar to what normally would be a red stake, but instead you're penalized two shots. So you would, instead of playing your third from the tee you would play your fourth from in line with where it went out of bounds but on the side of the fairway so okay. things like that That's, yeah okay fair enough yeah so all little things that all have to be ironed out the documents for anyone that wants it is actually on the golfnet.ie so where you would sign in for your GUI to get a good look at your handicap it's um, it's fairly um, it's very fairly comprehensive Um the phase, the appendix at the end with the phase, the five phases is probably the most relevant to people, the one that people have seen, but it does take a little bit of walk getting through to, to understand what's going to happen. Cool. And then in the golf world itself or in the, the professional aspect of it or the, um, yeah, the professional side of it, it's been, there's been a lot of news. It's, it's been pretty, been pretty busy. The match between Phil and Tiger has a date and that is the 24th of May. Um, that'll be across all your regular programming networks across in the states and i'm sure sky sports will they might try and pick it up i can't see that they would personally because they have the tailor-made driving relief the week beforehand on the on may 11th which we'll get on to but the the the, the phil tiger game has um has escalated to new levels of like cringiness so Ble- Bleacher Report are the, they're doing all the, the pre and post game digital content re- and review content. So they, a couple of days ago, had a, a virtual press conference or like a, a four-way conversation between Peyton Manning, Brady, um, Tiger and Phil. And it was just, it was just so bad to watch. It was just 20, 20 minutes of my life that I'm not going to get back. And I only got watched it because of this. <laughs> I can't tell you how much i'm as equally looking forward to the tailor-made game yeah uh, as i am to not watching the other one i think we discussed this as well how how mundane the four personalities well the two personalities one tiger and and phil were the last time in terms of offering us anything there was they had no mediator as well which which didn't help they were relying on two guys who were who are, I suppose they're, they're media savvy in terms of 
responding to journalists' questions, but they're not very good at offering anything up themselves. We've had a little bit of, I suppose, banter. I hate I hate that word, but it, yeah. it, it kind of sums up this rubbish chat that they've had uh, between on this four-way chat uh, with Tiger wrapping himself up in his master's jacket to keep warm, and it, that was so seen as that's a fantastic like. piece of humor. Like that's what I was going to get onto. Was like it was just it was so dull, and then this this little clip went around of you know. Uh, so the, like the trash talk and I put trash talk very deliberately in inverted commas there because it's like middle-aged man trying to come across as cool to his like nieces and nephews but like no no think I'm, of I'm, I just I'm like a cool guy yeah think cool of guy. the image of the game yeah yeah so, so think if, of the image image of the game four 40 year old four 40 year olds going out I know. badly relatively badly dressed to get this and then you've got on the flip side you've the tailor-made game yeah, and we'll get into so this in, go, in, in like yeah. a bit of proper detail because that is actually very exciting. But I thought it was just so funny when Phil started talking about uh, Tiger putting the green jacket on him and that right next to him he had like the belt from the first match, which is like a really small, square, shit-looking version of like a wrestling belt. At least if you're going to have like a belt, like <laughs> go all out and be like, okay, like this is the thing that you can prop on your shoulder like you're fighting in the UFC. This is like... It's like a cowboy belt buckle. It was all it was. It was it was terrible. And then Tiger, in such obviously rehearsed fashion, goes out and gets yeah. the green jacket and puts it on. So it's just the only the only word that I could think of. And I tried to come up with different analogies or metaphors for this, but the only word that came to my mind repeatedly when I watched this was it's so lame. And you have to use lame because it's an Americanized term for the, how cringy it is. And you'd only get it in America. Yeah. The fact that they made us pay $30 the last time. <laughs> well, I don't do did. Yeah. Like I, I do, like I fully get that it's, now the flip side is that this is going to raise an enormous amount ch- for charity. Yeah, I think that's like $10 the other, the, And the other side is that I will probably, the reason I probably will watch it less begrudgingly than the last one. Now we all will watch it. That's the thing. Mm. But the reason we watch it less begrudgingly now, we're not looking at a billionaire trying to win nine million for himself. This yeah. is actually has this is serving some some good to society as opposed to um, the last one, which was played in Shadow Creek, which is six hundred dollars around. You can't get out there, and it's it was basically a who's who of 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 the rich and famous who went out and walked around after them and, yeah. um, and watched them collectively make what three birdies in what was thirty six holes played yeah. by the two of them, obviously. Like like it's, a, it's a four ball better ball event and so you know like they're just going to play Tiger and Phil's ball and they're going to rely really heavily on Peyton and, and Brady for all the for lack of a better word banter which is just desperate I wanted them to play this as a force that would have been so much better because that would have been amazing like that would have been amazing like, like watch like Tiger try and hit it out of wherever Brady yeah. had topped the tee shot into him. Yeah, but it, that, that would have been amazing. That would have been great. That would have been hilarious. Skill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then you have a comparative level. So, And also have two amateurs, sorry, an, an amateur, the amateur in the group teeing off against the pro in the other group. Yeah. And then then, it, then it's almost like a handicap race, like as in if you have Tiger teeing off against, who's, who's on Tiger's team for this? So it's um, Big Man and Tiger. Yeah. And then okay, so Peyton Manning. So imagine that 
Peyton Manning tees off and he's 50 yards behind um, behind Phil's drive. I think that's, and that's how it works. But, but, then, but then you've got, oh, but you've got Tiger hitting next and Tom Brady having to hit. So it's not like for like. So, but it'll be far more relevant because Tiger will be going in with maybe the same club, but you see that the distance difference that they hit it, for example, because there's already that distance handicap. And you, you don't know basically at any point who is better off on the whole. I think that would have been yeah. absolutely I'm amazing. I would have been great for that. Yeah, but we're not in charge, Johnny. No, not yet. <laughs> I can't anyway. We're not in charge. Completely converse to this then is a, yes. a, a massively corporate endeavor by TaylorMade. Yeah. Like it's it blatantly, it's, it's four TaylorMade athletes playing a competition named after It's not. Taylor. That's it the thing. Ricky Fowler, no. Ricky Fowler played. Ricky, oh, he's the ball. ball. Yeah. That's it. Oh, I was wondering what that was. Okay, now you've yeah. got me. Now you've got so me. So it's, it's the TaylorMade drive and relief. So that yes. match is, is good. And that's, um, that's a skins game. Again, I think it's four ball, better ball, but skins. That again would have been nice to see as a as a foursomes game, but I think it's I think foursomes is more of a US no, no skins is good in that format where you've got four good guys going against each other. That skins skins is good because that can that can lead to some big money holes coming in. Hopefully, like they had the skins game in Japan, and that was a little dull. What like the way that they spice that up was they had a few different kind of one one club for an entire whole mm-hmm. gimmick. Um, that's the one that Brian O'Driscoll played in wasn't it yeah yeah. so Brian yes, O'Driscoll and um, Brian yeah. Havana came in for a whole um, and Mike Tindall yeah, three. yeah. Um, but that's a three million dollar skins game and the teams for that are Rory and DJ versus Ricky and Matthew Wolf. and he instantly Brilliant. have to just go like Rory and DJ going to win that handy I've been looking online so because obviously everything's, everything's been flicked online and I've been looking at how well and uh, Ricky Fowler's playing, so he plays like Thomas, and they they take they take score and they take names basically as to, to how much they're taking each other for. Yeah. Um, he's shooting 62, 63, 64. It's Justin Thomas happens to be shooting sixties. Um, yeah. They they are they're playing a lot of golf and they're playing a lot of really good golf. This is going to be spectacular. I think this is going to be spectacular for a couple of reasons. One, the golf course. So the golf course has been Seminole Golf Club, which is one of these ultra exclusive. Yeah, it's like the uh, of Florida. It's kind of what I've heard. Of yeah, Florida. yeah. Rory McIlroy's dad is actually a member there. He's one of the few people. Oh, not bad. Not public. bad. Yeah. So he so he knows uh, he knows maybe might know it a bit better. But the um, it's going to be the host of the Walker Cup next year as well. So oh, okay. it's probably a trial run for for them in terms of putting on a big event um, or how, having big camera crews or big. Uh, more publicity around the place. Sure. Um, I think the level of ball striking, I hope they can get this across because I think you've just got, this is just going to be an exhibition. Matthew Wolf is mm. prodigiously long. Rory, Ricky, Ricky Fowler will actually be the, the shortest hitter by a considerable distance here. Yeah, um, but his short game will make it quite, quite engaging. Exactly. I think if yeah, you have so like 120 or so yards in and you have like Rory going straight up against Ricky, You'd, you'd, I, I would fancy Ricky most times to get closer. Definitely, and the one part that I'm really, I really hope that the spawn that Taylor made in all that they have to be commended for for doing this. I hope they do this right, and I hope they let the guys. I wouldn't mind if someone had to be there on a bleep button. 
to to, to, yeah, to filter some keep the language out and just yeah just let no but let them let them be normal now obviously they're 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 corporately slick and it might get down to, the, to that level of 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 paying each other out and a little bit of trash talk but yeah. you'd love to see a little bit of trash talk and proper trash talk not fill tiger trash talk no. proper having a go at each other yeah what i also like about the about this game is that there's a bit more of an incentive for the guys to shoot low because so farmers insurance applies another million dollars for a, a birdie and eagle pool so there's that added incentive to try and raise a bit more cash for the charity the only way to do that is by by going low so actually there could be a case where like guys go birdie 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 and someone has an eagle and like that's a a great hole then also there's the added benefit of a lot of money raised for the charity which comes across great for everyone yeah exactly and it's something that we can sit through for bearing in mind we're going to have to like and we're going to have to sit through four hours and it's not the same as watching a normal golf over four hours where they cut to a shot every minute or every 45 seconds i think that's what they want they want a shot every 45 seconds um it's not the same because yeah. obviously you have to wait for the guys, every guy to walk to his ball. So these guys hit 300 yard, 350 yard drives. It takes a long time to walk through yeah, 50 exactly. yards. So you're, you're kind of relying on the dynamic between the players to carry you through in order for you to stay in, uh, and stay engaged. So I think they've got four good guys for that. Anything I've seen from any of them, I think DJ is kind of quietly sarcastically funny. I hope yeah. that comes across rather than just been too droll. Rory obviously is, I think Rory is very funny gets going um and interesting to see what the other guys are like so yeah yeah i've heard i've wait. heard matthew Wolf, yeah i've heard matthew wolf has a, has a bit of a mouth on him in terms of he's not intimidated by these guys at all he's he's, he's very able to he's well able to to dish it out so hopefully he gets a bit cocky and, and starts, starts delivering some some good lines what i find interesting about this is that there's obviously there's gonna be no spectators but there's also no copy there also won't be any caddies so you may you may Sorry, see it's just are they carrying their bags. Yeah, they're carrying their own bags. Wow, that's so brilliant. You also may see the guys just like shooting lasers just for for pins. I think that could be really interesting. I mean, like they'll have the yardage book oh. and all that, but it would also just be good to see them have to figure it out. Playing golf like normal people. Yeah, a quiet four ball with no one looking, where they have to carry their own bag and get their own yardages from however they get them. As well, or as I call it, golf. Or as I do every Sunday morning, I still seem to get by just fine. Yeah. Um, but when is that, actually? Because it's important for us because we have a bit of an announcement as well. Yeah, so that's Sunday 17th of May. So that's this day next week. Is it this day? Yeah. Yes. 17th. Yeah. Um, and that'll be great because the next day we're going to be doing a review show. And on that review show, instead of you and me trying to pick it apart, there's actually going to we're actually going to have a professional on with us. We're going to have someone who who knows what it's like to hit, you know, in a pressure situation, but also be able to break down how tough a lie actually is compared to our untrained eye. Yeah. So I like, and that's for us. That's that's a massive thing because as we might try to come across as knowledgeable, but yeah. really what what we are, what we know could be written on the the back of a stamp compared to. To, to what uh, a tour pro can do so enjoy enjoy that we'll, we'll we'll announce that during the week yeah i think it'll be yeah there's just even small nuances that you'll want to see you you want to ask the, the players opinion on how, how tough the lie actually is what's you know how big an impact does xyz play that you know i certainly wouldn't even 
think about. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, anything else happening in the world of golf at the moment that we yeah. need to be aware of? There is indeed. Last thing, um, and it's really this last thing really just shines a light on how the European Tour are not moving on this situation. And that is the fact that the LPGA have announced their updated schedule for 2020. And that is to begin on June 19th, 21st. So it's one week after the Charles Schwab begins in the PGA Tour. And that'll begin with the Walmart in Arkansas, the June 19th to 21st. So some movement at least on, um, on, on what's going to happen there and when they're going to get out and get into, get into competitive golf again. That's, that's positive. Yeah. That's in line with the PGA Tour as well, I suppose, timeline-wise. It is. And actually what's really positive is that they've upped the purses. So the average purse for, a, for an event, they have $57 million to play with this year on the LPGA Tour. The average purse per event is going to be $2.7 It's the biggest purses ever, which is great. And the first event back is going to be a 54-hole event. Um, and like, that's, a good, that's a good bit of wedge to be playing for. That's, I think the, guy, the, the guys and girls on the Women's European Tour, Men's European Tour must be looking like at that with with um with a degree with a huge degree of envy they've had very little in terms of what they what they've been given from a from to be to be hopeful about i think they're still banning on close house the british master's been the first event back i think that's um everyone has that mumblings of that but unless the uk get their house in order from a um from a, a much wider perspective uh i i I can struggle to see where where this where this kicks off for for the European Tour guys. They've also said that they can expect lower pots. They can expect less facilities. They can yeah. expect less in terms of um, creature less comforts. Amenities. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they've been issued with a fairly stark warning. Whereas the the soundings from the W or the LPGA and the PGA have been obviously very positive. So. Tough, tough for those guys there on the European Tour. Now, also, I think it is worth noting uh, that there has been some movement in terms of what has gone out to players on the European Tour as of, I think it was May 8th that this went out. So a letter went out to the players uh, in relation to European Tour School. There would be no European Tour School for this year. There would be no promotions from the Challenge Tour. Okay. So we had no, a conversation. We don't have yeah conversations were coming out after this. Also with Gavin Moyne, and that aligns with what what he was saying to us. Yeah, so you'll you'll hear more in our chat with, uh, with Gavin. This is going out before the Gavin chat. Yeah, we'll yes. wait up the Gavin we'll chat we'll the, on Wednesday after we said this. <laughs> yeah, we'll put Gavin. Yeah, sorry, we'll be talking to Gavin Moyne on Wednesday, so we uh, enjoy that one. So yeah, that was a little bit like Boric Arrington announcing. <laughs> That's that he had named Luke Donald. That was a great, great segue to that. So yeah, everyone enjoy enjoy Gavin Moyne. We've had a really good chat with Gavin on uh, during the week about lockdown. So enjoy that coming out. But unfortunately for the likes of Gavin, he is not going to be able to augment his ranking. Now that does not that's not to say that Gavin could not go out this year. Um, if Gavin goes and wins a, a number of uh, that that's that's based on Q skill that no one will be promoted. That's not yeah. to say if Gavin doesn't have a couple of wins on. Um, on the challenge, sure that he would not get promoted under the same 
uh, on, on, under the same, the same uh, way that he normally was, or if he earns enough money on his ongoing um, main tour starts that he can get a card for next year. So there's a little bit to play for there. And but uh, yeah, that that's a chat that's coming up Wednesday, and he goes into good detail on that. So uh, enjoy that, enjoy that conversation. Yeah, I think just going back to the DLPGA. Um, Mike Wong gave an interview with with Golf Channel, and he said that there could be no kind of no confirmation yet. So the first few events there'll be no spectators, but as the year goes on, um, there won't be any kind of. He doesn't want to commit to say no whether there will or won't be any spectators, um, which is a fair, it's a safe play. I and mean, I've always I've liked I like Mike Wong for, and I said this in one of our earlier episodes that he's he's a pretty cool head when it comes to bringing this game back and he's come up with a couple of different scenarios or states of play in terms of how or when or where golf will come back. But um, he's, he has committed to saying that there will be testing for each of the players and then there will be daily temperature thermo scanning for all players and caddies. Um, so I guess if like your temperature is too high, you just won't be allowed to play. You'll be, you'll be out of there, you'll be put in lockdown. Um, okay. I think he's saying that they'll be in... A, areas like going into the locker rooms or going on to on, on site or something so they'll be hopefully pretty early on in the you know getting onto site or getting into play aspect of it um so they can catch it pretty early um and then you saying that no event will happen if all players aren't tested so he's he's pretty committed to that which is interesting because there's so many internationals on the lpga there's so many koreans a lot of a few europeans now as well as just the fact that the, the States is massive. Yeah, and uh, it, it seems like um, he is probably one of the more forward-thinking and rational in terms of um, how, this all, how this all plays out. So you'd have an element of trust in it. You just have to obviously be conscious that what if they, that they don't just, I suppose, lash on with this irrespective of what's or regardless of what's happening around them. I just yeah. hope that they don't they don't miss that beat in terms of like in terms of a social conscience. Yeah, I think what um I think I think what he's done with the LPGA as a business has been super interesting. He took it took what he took over is very much it was just after um 2008, 2009. So he took it over in, in a pretty pretty tough place fiscally um and turned it from what was an American funded, American sponsored event into a worldwide event and a worldwide business. So he said that they had a bit of a war chest, same way the PGA did, um, the very same way that the European Tour doesn't coming into this. Um, so they have a bit more of a cushion compared to Keith Pelly. Now, to be fair to Keith Pelly, he took over European Tour when they were also in a very, very, very bad place. But they were in, a basket case, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. But in 2018, so a European Tour year, this is worth noting, they, they made the exact numbers escape me, but I think it was about... It's about 14 or so million in profit. Now, in 2019, they had a two and a bit million deficit. So it just shows how much that the European, the Ryder Cup really funds the European Tour, and they haven't quite got that model that the LPGA has managed to, to secure. Which is... Yeah, it's, again, we go back to it saying it's so harsh for the, for the European uh, ladies and men that they, they don't know where they stand as of this moment. They're all effectively unemployed all the auxiliary staff caddies event staff that's all this is such a massive this is such a massive drip down impact you're yeah. going to talk to 
somebody in the near future in relation to the Irish Open um, as well. And that will give you an idea as to, as to what the impact can be uh, from not playing around the golf. It's not just the 130 players and 130 caddies that are impacted. This goes way, way further. Yeah, and I think then what rubs salt into the wound for, for European tour players is that the LPGA has three events in Europe, which are still going ahead. They have the Evian Open in France, uh, Scottish oh. Open, and then the Ladies Open is is in Scotland as well. Um, but they're all in consecutive weeks. They're all happening in August. So um, but they're eventually essentially having like a European block, which I think is actually a very clever way of doing it because they can just have everyone in, in the States and that side of it for for all the earlier periods. And they have to, they're doing the month of August in France and Scotland. They can get everyone over early. There's a bye week in between as well. So they can get everyone over, quarantine them, play the France event, get to Scotland, quarantine if necessary, play the two events there and then get back to the States. There's another bye week, quarantine again, and then play the play the rest of the American tour. Which, like, if I was a if I was an LET player, or even if I was a European tour player, I'd be like, "Here, how can how can they can actually plan this? How can they arrange this? We can't, we can't. We can't even get out onto a golf course to practice. Yeah, like, what do they know that yeah. we don't? Yeah. yeah. Well, on the flip side, what maybe what does Keith Bailey know that the that the PGA don't? So I I take I take their ambition with the with the significant pinch of salt i admire you admire it and you you like that there's something to be hopeful for towards the end of the year the majors included on both uh, uh ladies and men's tours um but we're a long way from being from being concrete on, on what's going to what's going to evolve maybe maybe keith valley has been far more pragmatic in terms of not saying anything until at least half of the countries where there are supposed to be European tour events come out of a lockdown because yeah. we're not even at that stage yet. Yeah, and I think so. In in our first episode, I I was very complimentary of Keith Perry's handling of this in comparison to Jay Monahan's, but now if if it's beginning to feel like the tide has turned against him to the point where he even needs to come out with a this is our conditional or temporary or hypothetical plan yeah. because the worst thing anyone could have heard is silence, and that's just what they've had. Yeah, so that's the that's the situation from a professional perspective. But there is, um, as I have, and most people have been going into the, uh, in into the Twitter sphere and into the social media sphere for any kind of entertainment. I found a couple of really good channels, Johnny. To be honest, um, there is professional golf happening in the world. We just don't it know is. about it. Or yeah, there is. So Arizona. Uh, which is obviously a hotbed for professional golfers around uh, to base themselves out of. They're currently running a number of mini tours, male and female. So there is professional golf going on out there. And if you want to get any information on this, you really have to do. You really have to look hard. So uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, Monday Q Info is a really really good channel. So this is a guy based in Arizona who covers what would normally be Monday qualifying for a PGA Tour event which is fascinating in its own right because you get to see who's trying to qualify yeah. into PGA tournaments on a Monday. And it, it's always outrageous scoring and you'll see a couple of very familiar names pop up. But yeah, Monday Q uh, Info on Twitter has uh, been running profiles on all of the mini tours that are happening over there. And you're seeing some really good names pop up um, in terms of, uh, from a playing perspective, 
Smiley Kaufman is playing, for example. You have the likes of Jazz, Janet Watman is playing, Daniel Berger is playing. So a lot of these guys are mad to get out there and just play a bit of professional golf. But the most interesting thing that came out, there's two really interesting things. One's a personal story, um, which is of a golfer called Daniel Maziotti. And he is a guy who is based on this Cactus Tour, um, or the Outlaw Tour, actually, sorry, the Outlaw Tour. Um, and he is based in Arizona. He is currently living out of a van to play these mini tours. He is basically trying to, he's an up and coming golfer and he's living, bearing in mind the temperatures in Arizona currently at 125 degrees, which is about 44 degrees Celsius, that he is living in a rented van and going around and trying to earn his, uh, earn his stripes on the tour. So that's one kind of personal story. So they have pictures of his van up. It's basically, it's, uh, it's not quite camper van luxury. To be honest, it's <laughs> uh, it's sparse living, so that's a, new, a different one. But he was also the the account also covered something interesting, which was the new Corn Ferry Tour when it reopens this season. The first event will have a field which has uh, thirty four PGA Tour wins. Uh, people who've had thirty four PGA Tour wins, thirteen European Tour wins, five Asian Tour wins, two Sunshine Tour wins. <laughs> two Champions Tour wins and over 100 million in career earnings uh, from the the total competitors. The problem is that that's actually just one person. So Vijay Singh, much to the ire of a lot of people, has secured an exemption into the Corn Ferry Tour uh, event. So that's where guys are going now to get golf. Now, this has been very contentious. You've heard, seen some stuff on it. Yeah, I have. And, you know, the first the first time I heard it, I was like, Ah, uh, he's taking a spot from someone that's 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 outrageous. He does like, he doesn't need to play golf. You know, he's made enough money. He's won enough times. Like, you know, give give some guy who's struggling the chance. But then I was also like, okay, so he's also not playing for the money. So now he's just playing two, one of two things: I miss golf or I miss competing. And I can kind of get behind both of those sentiments. Yeah, I think, and, and people are just mad to play golf at the moment. I think Maria Fassi, for example, who's just, uh, she would have been the inaugural winner of the Augusta National Women's Tournament, which is the first female tournament to take place in, in Augusta. Another tournament athlete. Another tournament athlete. Uh, she is actually competing against the guys and doing really well, so it's nice to see. Uh, that's yeah, that, that's amazing. Like, she that's shot great. a 79 70 in a tournament. She finished top 15, I believe, in a. Um, in a fairly competitive looking field as well to be honest Mickey DeMorit who's had his tour card for a long time is playing there so that gives you an idea of what's happening so there there is some competitive golf happening we won't see it but uh, it's, it's even that I find like how does like Arizona's local news network not get on that in a big in, a, in any kind of big or safe way even doing like a highlights package that they put out because people will go nuts for that I think there's so many interesting stories that exist below PGA Tour status. PGA Tour status tends to be a little bit Teflon in terms of it's it's the usual story, but it's nice to see people who've risen out of those tours and, and get to profile them early. I would have loved to have seen previously like Scott Harrington who won on the PGA Tour in terms of his battle in ter- with the, his wife's battle with cancer and sort of that mm-hmm. real human story around it. That was really interesting. And this, But this is a guy who's grown up on mini tours. And the mini tour culture in the US is far more prevalent than it is in, um, in Europe. We've obviously got 
the people would really would rank mini tours in in Europe as being the PGA Euro Pro Tour, the Alps Tour, um, the Sunshine Tour in, in South Africa. But there's for every state, there's probably four or five mini tours. In in fact, every region there's a mini tour. So this is kind of a little. Um, it's like a golf pervs guide to, to, to finding out results, really, to be honest. You have to go into yeah. for some funny places on the internet to get these things. But look, there is, there is golf there. There's some good stories. I do like finding these channels. So Monday Q info for anyone who wants a little bit of lighthearted golf stuff. But as you said, it's, it's, it's all gearing towards reopening next, uh, next week with the, with the TaylorMade, uh, TaylorMade event. Yeah, I think that'll be good. I think that'll be really nice. Um, It'd be nice just have to watch something live and competitive. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the last so, thing that we should talk about before we before we end is yeah. you kind of alluded to it. There is um, poor Garrington naming his or accidentally <laughs> naming his second vice captain, which I think is just gas. Uh, he's doing an interview with Sky Sports, and they were asking him, "How have you spoke to anyone from the Ryder Cup team? Have you been?" Been keeping in touch with them and having contingency plans, and he was like, "Yeah, I've been on the phone to on the phone to Robert Robert Carlson, who's obviously his first vice captain." And then I was like, "Oh, I was also on the phone to Lit or my other vice captain," and instantly, instantly, <laughs> sports world over. <laughs> Nick Doherty was he was on it as well. He was like, "Look," and then Luke in, in great great kind of you know comedic fashion tweets out, and like a minute later, I thought this was meant to be a secret. <laughs> He's been the darling of social media um, over over the lockdown from a golf perspective, and he, Barry Carrington is the gift that keeps on giving when it comes to. Like, I just hope he keeps on doing this kind of thing. It'll be hilarious. It'll be hilarious. Yeah, it'll be hilarious if it got down to the last day and he managed to accidentally reveal his 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 team for his pairings for the or what he really thought of people as well. Hilarious, but he's um. Oh, he's he, he's so he's been so entertaining. He really has in terms of what he's given. He's just he just can't seem to stop. Yeah, I think he's. I think it's just so funny, and I think also Luke Donald uh, from like a the Ryder Cup perspective. Luke Donald is a great pick. Robert Carlson, um, it's an interesting choice. He's got twelve professional wins, eleven of them on the European Tour. He now plays in the Champions Tour. Um, so I'd love to, I'd love to know a bit more of the logic as to having him as his pick is he the one that kind of gets the vibe of Europe of European golf and would he be really good at matching personalities or because obviously his, if his most of the success comes in Europe and we're playing a US based Ryder Cup you know his his strengths wouldn't necessarily lie in that field I wouldn't have thought and it's also relevant for people to pay attention as to who the vice captains are in relation to future Ryder Cup captain picks because there's a stipulation that you I think you have to be a vice captain is it twice or twice twice I believe yeah twice to be considered as a um, as a potential captain for a Ryder Cup so it might be interesting to see if the likes of say if Graham McDowell doesn't uh, doesn't qualify he's one of the top three tips to to take on a captaincy and yeah. he wants a captaincy in the US apparently he wants it. well yeah well sure he's he's based in the states exactly know, he'd, he'd, so he'd be great yeah also so it would be would interesting be. to see Lee Westwood would be another good, another good one. Um, so there's four vice captains. I was wondering, let's let's run through this. There's four vice captains on a Ryder Cup team, isn't there? Yes. 
So we, we know. Oh, there's a, no, there, well, there's, there's effectively as many as, as as you want. I think you can pick the size of your bathroom. Uh, how official that is, I don't know. But um, yeah, we go with the four. We go with the four. Um, that might change. That probably is wrong. But who who would you want to fill your backroom team? Because you have you have who would I want to fill my back? Like out of the guys that are there, right? Um, and uh, so your mm-hmm. Pori Carrington is the main one. Because that come, this comes to a, a point that I'll have later on. You are poor kind, and who do you pick? Um, it, they're in a funny spot because a couple of the people that I pick are probably going to play themselves into position. I think Lee Westwood will probably end up playing. Why um, I just his form at the start of the year. He's, he's won on tour already this year. He's won in Europe. He was in, in, in he's won in Europe, but now in fairness, it was a big event, so I'd go with that. But I, I think he'll he'll probably fit in as a as a as a vice. I think the dynamic of 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 people who have been very good in what we perceive or what we would see has been very good team people mm. is vital. So that leaves you with. Uh, Ian Poulter fits into that, into that guys, uh, depending yeah. from a playing perspective, if he gets a captain's pick, but then maybe it's, maybe it does form great. dictate. Yeah. 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 Form does dictate. The other thing, I, I never know why they don't always like pick one of the more elder guys from the, from the tour to bring, to bring back in and to provide a little bit of sage advice to, to to younger guys um and i'm thinking of like ex-captains for example uh that, that might parents or someone like that more as an ambassadorial or as an ambassador type role but the people that you'd like to see would have, have a little bit more character to yeah. them i think that's so, that's what we crave i just looked it up there bjorn thomas bjorn had five vice captains so five let's, let's operate off that basis okay so we go with five so i would go with Westwood, McDowell, Luke Donald, Robert Carlson, which is obviously that's that's nailed on, but but very very strange. Um, and my last one kind of fits into that uh, that guise of someone who would be able to deal with the American side of things. Um, obviously, a very very hostile atmosphere. I think someone like Miguel Angel Jimenez, who has been not has been slighted for the role as captain, but yeah. I think would have a really good role. And I think he's the kind of person that personality piece. There's lots of tension. He like he had a really fractious uh, relationship with Keegan Bradley and mm. uh, Brian yeah. around that time yeah. when he was playing in Medina. That was really good and got very much under his skin. And I think that helped. And a competitive guy, flamboyant. A little bit older, will be out there with a cigar and, and enjoying things. I think that would be, yeah, I think that might be the my five. Yeah, that's good. Do you think Garcia is going to play? He's also not going to get picked. He's not going to get picked as a vice captain. Could you see him playing his way into that team? Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's going to have to. He's going to have to play his way in. Yeah, Zavin Har- don't picked. get along. He's not getting picked. Uh, he's going to have to play his way in. Uh, does he play well enough? That, see that that then comes down to whether Garcia plays well enough, and that's a really easy one to judge. Like that's just form as to as to how he's gone. Um, God knows what he'll come out of, of lockdown with, but I, I probably wouldn't be expecting my phone call to ring if I'm not inside the top six for him. I think there's there's too much class there. There's too much class. Mm. 
yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough scene for Sergio Garcia. You know, the the highest point scorer for your team Europe, actually the highest point scorer in Ryder Cup history, and uh, it's not he's not going to get into the squad in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's going to be pretty tough on him, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think I would have so this Carlson Donald. Let's say all these guys don't play their way in. I would say you have Keimer. He made the winning put in Medina, um, Westwood, and G Mac. I think I, I would. I would say Pulse would play his way into a Ryder Cup team before G Mac would, and that's why I would leave him out because I think he'll. I think he would even get a pick over G Mac yeah. for the Ryder Cup team just because. He's that, you know, he lives in the States. Plus, there's also this whole fist bump inside of him, or, you know, beating that chest. Yeah. That I think, as a spectacle of golf, it may be better to have him in that. Good guy to have a few cold beers with after as well. Graham McDowell. Yeah. <laughs> that, that PGA Tour video is class. <laughs> it's very good. Have you Try and find one? it, though. It's one of those things you can't yeah. find on the internet anymore. So don't even look for it. Yeah, have you seen the uh, the Roy McIlroy one? No, it's not much better. Like, oh, it's less cheesy, but like only only a little bit less cheesy. Like, it's not it's not that much it's not that much better. It's it's still how, how far across the Atlantic is Rory's accent now? Oh, so he's young. Like he's I think he's only oh right. Okay, sorry, I, think, I thought this I was he, now. No, no, they, like this. I think he may have just won the Open, so he's like twenty five at this point. All oh, right, so. It's he's his, his accent is getting is morphing to while Graham McDowell's accent is certainly probably just off the coast of the, the east coast of America. Yeah. Like Rory's is over Rory's is over the Azores somewhere. It's on its way. It's yeah, he's mid-Atlantic. Like, and then, it, but we, we kind of forget that McDowell has been over there since he's been seventeen. So he's he's spent more of his life in America than he has in the United. But I suppose we hang on to things like that, don't we? We need to. We need to. Everyone we keeps do. taking our things, do. <laughs> including our golf. So less of that, the better. So yeah. Anyway, should we wrap it up there? It's been been about an hour. That was a good one. Um, lots to happen lots to come I think we let slip so this is going to go out on the 11th so we have plenty in store for you guys coming up uh, we have Gavin Moynihan coming to you on Wednesday great chat with Gavin we also have our uh, run through of the TaylorMade event where we will have European Tour player on with us to run through that event we also have a chat coming up next, the week after next Johnny with a very course uh, director of golf from probably one of Ireland's most famous courses so we'll announce that close at the time so we, we have lots to come for you guys so if you're enjoying the podcast please let us know um, pass us on a, a review if you want and let us know who you want to hear but hopefully you enjoyed on the tee Jack Nicholas. this is the minute the millions around the world have waited for we will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at 
sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.